This is Channel 253. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. This is the We Art Tacoma podcast. Hi, Amanda. Oh, hi, Doug. How was your vacation? My vacation was great. I went to Florida, which you hate. Well, I'm not a big <laughs> fan of Florida, um, but I do have to say I'm a fan of their food and okay. I'm a fan of their fashion and right. a fan of... Uh, the beautiful environment down right. there in terms of oceans and ponds and Everglades. Swam in the ocean, kayaked in the jungle. Love that. All right. So who do we have today? Today we have a uh, local artist, uh, Lynn Danino. Uh, she is... Uh, She's a legend around here, from her rolling heads to um, her wearable art. Everybody loves a piece of Lynn Danino. I think every public art performance she's done in Tacoma since she moved here, I've been a part of. Proudly. Uh, wow. And happily and joyfully. You, 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 have, you have the Danino blessing upon your head. She uh, snaps her fingers, I respond. I love that. And then uh, the second half of the show, we have uh, Gwen Whiting. She's the lead curator from the Washington State History Museum talking uh, about their current exhibit, which is Make Do and Reuse, um, which is really an outstanding exhibit, unlike anything they've ever done before. Let's listen. With me is Lynn Danino, uh, a local Northwest artist that is, of course, internationally known. And Lynn, thank you for joining us today. Happy to be here. Oh, I'm so glad that you made time in your busy schedule. So Lynn, for people who perhaps don't know your work and don't get to see you uh, in Seattle and Tacoma like I do um, often, um, give them an idea if you have an earliest memory of wanting to be an artist or you had an affinity for art? Let's see, my earliest memory stems from a practical thing. I was uh, raised in New Mexico uh, by a single parent, and there was no money. And my siblings and I would go up and down the alleys, dumpster diving, even though it wasn't hip yet. And I would find the makings for shoes <laughs> So I made a lot of my own shoes. Oh, that is amazing. And and did you wear them? I did wear them. They were usually not very comfortable, <laughs> but they were awfully individualistic. And do you have any of those shoes left in your collection? I wish I did, but no, I do not. I, I would tell you, I would probably pay big money for those shoes if they were in a local auction to know that um, I had just a sampling of your footsteps. So uh, as I was reading your bio, Lynn, um, you did not start the first part of your career um, being the artist that you are today. You were in the mental health field. Is that correct? That's right. I was recreational therapist at Seattle Mental Health. And that means I uh, helped our uh, population, and these are people that would otherwise be in the state mental hospital. Uh, I took them on field trips. We went camping. I lined up music events for them, including lessons. And then we did basket making and other art activities. 
My goodness. So how did you land that position? I knew somebody that worked there. That's how it always is. (laughs) Yes, I don't actually have a recreational therapist degree, but I had a lot of energy, which is what that job requires. Can you remember a time when you were there that you single-handedly saw art transform someone and what it was? You know, I, I wish I could say I was, but it doesn't really work that way. How does it work? In that field. It works that uh, these people are engaged during the daytime, and they live in halfway houses all over the neighborhood at night. And um, most of them are highly medicated. And after three years, I had to give up that work because you don't really see cures. Mm. So it's it's quite hard work. Absolutely. So how did you transition from that career to wanting and being the full-time artist that you are now? Well, I went directly from that job into being a freelance artist. (laughs) And it was a little bit accidental. Maybe everything is. I uh, worked with another friend, and we both loved to sew. We both had closets full of fabric. And I started making clothes for my fellow employees at Seattle Mental Health, and they were really goofy, asymmetrical things. But for some reason, the people I worked with were willing to wear them. And then the other employee and I decided to have a show of work that we made, And between us, we knew a lot of people that could help by uh, providing music for a show, by doing uh, invitations, graphic artists. Uh, We knew people that would model these clothes we made. And she lived in Kirkland, right on the water, so we had a beautiful venue. And we just invited everybody we knew, and even men bought clothes from us. It was astounding. How many years ago was this? 35 or 40. So you were ahead of your time because asymmetrical clothing now is 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 what we what I want to wear. It's what I look for. And many of my friends who are in the artist community, that's just the our uniform. If it's black and asymmetrical, we're in. Um, and yet you 30 years ago, um, that was not on the horizon. Do you have any of those pieces left in your collection? I might have. Every once in a while, somebody I know that owns one of these pieces says, I don't know what to do with it. I outgrew it. I'd have to look around. And so they return it. They return it to its its creator. Yes. I love that. Well, speaking of clothing, the first time I met you, Lynn, and I don't know if you remember this, and if you don't, I will not be offended because you meet a lot of people. I was the director of education at Tacoma Little Theater, and you walked into our lobby with the trunk. Do you remember the trunk series you did back in 1994? Uh, no, I can't say I did. Okay, it was a trunk. Uh, it was a it was a art exhibit that was traveling all around Tacoma. Of course, I do. There now, I knew I would jog your memory. Yes, this project was called Suitcase Sightings. Oh, I said trunk. I'm so sorry. 
And uh, for some reason, when I moved from Seattle to Tacoma, I was completely inspired to do large community art projects. So I invited 125 artists to each embellish a suitcase. And then we put them in 125 uh, businesses all over town. And we had many activities around that idea. It was it was incredible. I remember that sitting in our lobby, and uh, I wish I would have had some caution tape because I was so possessive of it and so afraid that during some of our uh, matinees that um, somebody who was under the age of five would mistake it for a dress-up box. <laughs> <laughs> they used to joke and say, Amanda, you have to let go of this art exhibit because she is going to come get it one of these days. Right. So it was it was a huge hit. One of the things that you're also known for uh, in my memory of your work is uh, rolling heads down a hill. Can you explain that to our viewers who perhaps haven't lived here that long? Well, uh, that was inspired from the uh, idea that here in Tacoma, there were a lot of uh, government uh, people that uh, the general population was mad at. So it was a figurehead role. And uh, we had uh, opera singers at the top of the hill singing uh, La Traviata. Mm. And then we had people in costume on the street, and then we cast 40 faces of local people. And then we had someone mass-produce those so that we had uh, 1,001 white plastic hollow heads. And the idea was that we would roll them down the hill, uh, given a certain signal. And we rehearsed this downtown but on this particular night, it was raining a little, and maybe that's why these gravel-filled heads would not roll. <laughs> and the audience was so excited and so impatient, they swarmed into the street and grabbed these heads, and they were throwing them up in the air. And I was seated at the bottom of the hill just, you know, overwhelmed. Oh, my God, this is not going the way I planned it. But to me, it looked like a popcorn popper with all these white (laughs) things bouncing up into the air and bouncing back up. That was, was that first night or or what we would have called first night at that point? Yes, that I thought was first so. night. I believe it was 2004. It was because I, my, I was there with my family and I was at the bottom of the hill waiting to watch this happen and... Uh, saw the same thing you saw. But I what I remember the most, Lynn, is I remember what a political statement it was mm-hmm. uh, afterwards. It was spoken about for years after that. And, and there was a pause in First Night, and then it came back. And every time I interview somebody from First Night, someone always says, I'm not sure if it can be as good as what Lynn did <laughs> or as impactful. Uh, so there's your legacy. Great. Of all the mediums that you work with, if you had to pick one that was your favorite, what would it be? Oh, boy, that's hard. I know. (laughs) I have worked in many mediums, and for many years I worked in concrete. 
And I really love working in concrete, but it's uh, pretty labor-intensive, and each project is a big investment of time. Besides that, they're heavy to move. So maybe I fall back on fabric, which Mm. is where I started. It's colorful. It's versatile. When you ship it, it does not break. There you go. So the preciosity is not built in, nor is the labor built in like cement is. That's right. What has been your favorite project? I know it's like asking if you had a favorite relative or a favorite child, but if you were to stop creating after this interview and look back on on your career, what would be the most favorite project you did? Boy, that is tough. I have done lots of projects. It could be figurehead role. I (laughs) believe that was the first major project I did in Tacoma. I had no idea, really, if I could find people that would work with me because it takes about, I don't know, 60 people to accomplish a big performance art piece like that. I found uh, bona fide real opera singers that were willing to perform on New Year's Eve for no remuneration. Uh, We did all of this on practically no money. Uh, Even though it wasn't technically considered a success, it was such a wild night. And people have been, just like you said, so uh, exuberant in their memory of it. Mm-hmm. Well, I th- what, how I view it is is it's kind of like a Jackson Pollock picture. At first, it takes you back, and you kind of go, oh, what is that? But it lingers with you, and it continues to garner respect and admiration and honor in your memory. And that's what that Rolling Heads was. It was a artistic political statement. Mm-hmm. And it was a big turning point for Tacoma also, I think, in terms of mm-hmm. our government. Um, let's, let's jump to frustrations. In this day and age, with uh, as I'm looking down at my iPhone, um, as an artist, what is one of your biggest frustrations? Oh boy, frustrations. Um, you know, I, I can't even really think of any frustrations. Maybe uh, the only one I can think of is if you do these big performance art pieces and someone doesn't follow through. Uh, that's super frustrating. Mm-hmm. And then I know that if I'm doing another project, I can't count on that one person. So I am very careful uh, how I decide uh, which people can work as a team. I'm always here for you, Lynn. Oh, well, there we go. Producer Doug is throwing his... Uh, uh, I said I'm always here for you, Lynn. <laughs> I know you are. He's throwing his <laughs> shiny pate into the ring, as we say. Yeah, well, Doug can be counted on big time. I don't worry about him. That's right. Well, it's that whole flaky artist artist uh, theme. And I think in this day and age of big performance productions, um, that is a, a very valid point because it's, it's kinetic. It's a lot of working pieces together. And if one person doesn't hold it up, the, everything falls apart. So... Uh, Good advice. Speaking of advice, before we go to our break here, uh, when you think about your career, what advice do you have for somebody who is just starting out as an artist? Um, Let's see here. My advice would be to uh, figure out how to do all the jobs that need to be done when you're an artist. You have to be a photographer. You need images of your work. You have to figure out how to get around on a computer. 
These are extra things besides making the art. You have to get some kind of uh, legal know-how because you'll be dealing with contracts when you work with galleries, so you have to get help on that usually. And then you have to keep track of your expenses so you can write off anything that you deserve to write off. So there are lots of other things you have to do besides being an artist. Yeah, so the, the art of creating is what you become really good at. Mm-hmm. It sounds like what you're saying. Very sage advice to new artists and uh, artists who are just kind of coming into their own in this day and age. All right, we're going to take... Oh, Lynn raised your finger. Go ahead. I've got one other piece of advice. Getting publicity is really important. It helps spread your name. And the smart artist always sends a thank you note, mm. even if the review is not good. There we go. For their time. Absolutely. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to segue into the most latest exhibit uh, that I'm not going to give away the name until we come back. So this is Amanda Westbrook with We Are at Tacoma. We'll be right back after this quick break. This is Nate Bowling, host of the Nerd Farmer podcast on the Channel 253 Network. Coming back from a trip to New Orleans, I had an awesome idea for a topic and a guest for our podcast. So from the air, I reached out to the guest to see if she was interested. I chatted with producer Doug to book time at the Moonyard Studios. By the time I landed at SeaTac, I had a whole episode of Nerd Farmer coordinated and scheduled. And I did it all without having to pay for Wi-Fi, thanks to Alaska's free chat service. Facebook Messenger, iMessage, and WhatsApp are all free when you fly Alaska. When all you have to do is send a couple of messages before you dig into your awesome cheese plate, it's an amazing feeling to know you won't have to pay for it. Stay connected when you travel and skip the travel sites. Just head to alaskaair.com and book your ticket. I'm Nate Bowling, Alaska Airlines MVP Gold, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. Welcome back to We Are Tacoma. I have with me right now in the house... Uh, artist uh, Linda Nino, as we had the first 15 minutes talking about her uh, creative career and kind of what makes her tick. And then uh, with me in the studio, or with us in the studio right now, is Gwen Whiting. You are the lead curator for the Washington State History Museum. Welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Good to have you here. So we have an exhibit. I say we as in the citizens of Tacoma because I always think that we own the art here. Uh, And uh, actually, the Washington State History Museum has a current exhibit called Make Do, A History of Creative Reuse. And uh, this actually uh, goes until December 6th. It's currently showing. Uh, And... Quinn, give us an overview of this exhibit. It's uh, quite unusual. Well, the idea for this exhibit actually started um, as we were looking at our collections at the Historical Society. Uh, We've been around about 125 years, and so we have amassed a great amount of unusual things, many of which there really isn't one neat or nice topic for. And one of the things we noticed is that over time, we were seeing these themes of reuse, just items that had been made and remade. Um, And we thought, what could we do with these things? Uh, And so our director of audience engagement, Mary Michael Stump, who curated the exhibition with me, came up with this idea, which was simply that this concept of upcycling is nothing new. We've been doing Mm -hmm. it since 
forever, really. <laughs> um, as long as humans have been around, we have been making and remaking items into new things. And so we thought, let's reach out, not just in our own collections, but to historical societies across the state and to artists across the state and see what we can pull together. Oh, I love this. So how many artists did you reach out to? I'm going to say around 50. And how did you how did you narrow it down? That's a very good question. <laughs> we actually used a significant amount of all of the art in the show. Um, the things that narrowed it down mostly religistical um, in terms of was the artwork something that we could safely transport? Um, was it something that would degrade in the gallery? Sort of typical museum concerns. And of course, we really looked for artists who had a long history of doing this kind of art um, in Washington State. Oh, how interesting. So did the artists come into the museum and select their items, take them back to their studio, and then bring them back? Describe the process of how these were made. Well, the artworks that we selected for the most part um, were art that the artists already had. And so they brought them into the into the museum to us. Um, in some cases, we went out to transport the items ourselves just simply because some objects were required an art handler to bring into the facility. Okay. So, Lynn, describe your piece in this exhibit. Well, I have two pieces in the show. One of them are uh, what appear to be two crows, and they're made from Ivanka Trump black leather flats. Oh, my gosh. Say that again one more time. They're made from what? Ivanka Trump black leather flats. I'm about ready to fall off my chair. This is so good. Well, a friend spotted them in a thrift store and mailed them to me immediately. <laughs> the okay. other piece I have is a sweater coat, and I cut up sweaters and reconfigure them into coats, and one of those is in the show. Mm. And will you reclaim these when the exhibit is over? Yes. Oh, I love that. You didn't even hesitate. That was a steely yes in my eyes. <laughs> I love that. Um, Gwen, talk about some of the other pieces in the exhibit that um, you think people should know about as a teaser, uh, in case they haven't been in yet to see this. Oh, there are so many wonderful pieces, including Lens. Um, lens are a nice juxtaposition, actually, to a number of the other textile items we have. Um, one thing that folks are really fascinated with is we have what looks like a partial wedding party, mm -hmm. um, a bride's dress, and then we also have the bridemaid or a flower girl's dress. And those were actually made from silk parachutes during World War II. Oh. We have quilts that were made from military uniforms. We have um, clothing made from flower sacks during the Great Depression. Um, so those are some of the items that represent kind of this really long history of creative reuse. One of my favorite pieces um, actually is a diving bell that was made from a hot water tank by a couple of brothers who lived on Anderson Island. Um, the summer before they went to college, they decided they wanted to learn how to dive. And so they scrounged materials on the island and came up with the idea to build this homemade diving bell. Um, one brother, as I understand it, one brother was to blow into the bell using a tubing as the other brother traversed the waters of Puget Sound. They put the bell over their shoulders. He dove into the water and sunk straight down. Oh. <laughs> However, he was fortunately rescued by um, his brother 
And so the story ended happily. <laughs> you are a great storyteller, <laughs> as, as all people who work in a historical museum should be. Um, so what's the public's response been to this, Quinn? I think it's been very positive. Um, I mean, we're located in Tacoma, which is a community that is just full of creative reuse. Uh, Tinkertopia is right mm-hmm. across the street, um, our very own Creative Reuse Center. Um, in fact, we worked with R.R. Anderson to design the panels for the exhibit, which was a lot of fun. Um, something folks might not know, although they might guess when they look in the exhibit, is that we really built it out of our trash. So we saved bits of cardboard, old frames, um, taped paper together, rather than doing a traditional polished um, museum panel. Um, we created those things out of various bits of garbage. And so um, RR helped us with that. So very frequently, we would literally roll a tub of garbage across the street for him to work with. Oh, I love that. And Lynn, you wanted to add something to that. Yes, I, I did. Uh, as you enter the show, you see all the panels identifying uh, history having to do with uh, reusing things. And I immediately recognized them as R.R. Anderson's work. They blew me away. I thought, what a great preparation for a show like this. R.R. Anderson, I hope that you're listening and that you realize that you have just received the most amazing compliment from Lynn. (laughs) So I want to talk about the theme of this because the theme uh, reaches uh, up and down um, lifestyle, philosophy, ecosystem. It spreads everywhere from our past to our present to our future and that is uh the reusing of historical elements but also what i would just call tchotchke and junk in my life that doesn't need to go in a landfill so um gwen was this exhibit purposely curated as a way to talk about consumerism perhaps for the holidays definitely Um, One of the things we wanted people just to simply understand as they went through this exhibit was to look at the things that we use in our everyday lives and just simply discard and just take a moment and stop and think about what else could we be doing? Um, Why do we discard things? Is that part of, you know, have we been doing that forever? Is it a part of a historic pattern? And what kind of an impact is that going to have in the future if we continue this pattern of consumerism? Mm. Lynn, how does that play out in your work on a daily basis? Well, I'm a collector of everything in sight, and I make a new life for it. There we go. From Ivanka Trump Shoes, uh, which I find even now even more prophetic, as you mentioned in the first segment, that you made shoes as a little girl (laughs) in Mexico, and now someone found them in a thrift store and sent them to you. Um, If if you had to pick a favorite piece of this in this exhibit, Lynn, what would it be? Well, first, I want to say there are so many very interesting things, old and new. I think the most memorable piece for me is a sculpture made out of straws. And the straws are horizontal, thousands of them loaded into a frame, and you can stand on one side and see through to the other side. Mm, Exquisite. Absolutely exquisite. So this runs until December 6th. And uh, I definitely would uh, encourage um, our uh, listeners to head down there um, because this is, in my opinion, Gwen, an exhibit for everyone. Would you agree with that? Yes, I definitely think so. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can imagine that you've had or her overheard many conversations about what is that, how did this come to be, and why did they choose this material? Um, and I hope that this exhibit expire, inspires um, people to use, reuse, but also think about the things in their life that are history, that need to be passed on or made more attractive so we understand the lessons that that medium has gone through. Last question for both of you. Uh, who are you currently watching in Tacoma uh, in terms of an up-and-coming artist on the scene? And I'm going to ask Lynn that first. Okay. Well, I don't know if you could call Diane Hansen up-and-coming because she's been an artist for an awfully long time. But she's uh, finding a whole new uh, career in public art and just is uh, becoming highly sought after making beautiful things. Mm, I love that. All right, Diane Hansen, I want to put her into my into my book of things to follow and look. What about you, Gwen? Because you sit in such a beautiful spot in that museum where it's almost like a, a Sears catalog of artists that come through that you get to circle the red pen and say, I want this one. So what's on your list or who's on your list? Come on, you I, have to pick. I'd say that's a that's a really hard question. Um, I feel like lately I've been spending so much of my time um, considering these questions of creative reuse. Um, so that's really been a it's really been a big focus of mine. Um, like one of the artists in the exhibit that I found particularly fascinating um, was um, Graham Shada, who did the robot mm -hmm. that everyone remembers, Mac and Jack. So I'll be very curious to see how he what he what hit the work that he does in the future. Um, and then, of course, Nancy Judd, who is a she's a Portland based designer, but because of her work and because of the impact that her work is having, particularly in education, um, we chose to branch out the exhibit a little bit to go mm -hmm. more northwest than strictly Washington. And so I'm very interested to see where a lot of the artworks and the artists represented in this exhibit where that goes in terms of working with youth specifically. Oh, I love that. Absolutely. Because I think, uh, and I think both of you would agree with me, that art at any age transforms. And it's the one thing in our world that we need more of right now because to me, art equals hope. Uh, the ability to create and recreate gets us through times that perhaps um, – are not as uh, creative as they used to be. I want to say thank you to both of you for being on the podcast today and taking time out of your busy schedule. And I certainly want to invite you both back in the future as you continue to curate and create. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. That was a great interview. It was. It was. Very informative. You get a peek into Lynn's history and process and what's down there at the museum till December 6th. And my favorite part was the uh, Ivanka Trump shoes turned into crows. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. Because, Raising shoes from the dead. Yeah, because our, our listeners are, are brilliant. They, they, get, they get the innuendo there. Indeed. So uh, what are you going to do this weekend? All right. So what we have going on. Now, what I found is that, of course, the frozen fountain ice skating rink is opening up at Point Ruston. Yes. And you want to do that after you go sit on Santa's lap at JCPenney oh. Court at the mall. 
Okay, I got to say, if we're playing a game of artistic paper, rock, scissors, you've got me beat. Okay, I am going to uh, go to this exhibit this weekend uh, because I'm someone that likes to keep everything that anybody ever gave me, especially when it comes to my family. And then I want to go see a movie called Vice, which has uh, Christian Bale in it and... uh, um, Steve Carell about uh, uh, so a political era with Rumsfeld and uh, Bush and Cheney. So um, I'm going to go to that. But I do want to tell you, I did go listen to Pete Souza on Sunday speak about his book called Throwing Shade. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I highly recommend you go pick up this book uh, because books are also art. All right. So next week we'll have Eric on the show. And uh, until then, uh, Mr. Doug, keep creating. How's that? Sayonara. Sayonara. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.